I'll do a little bit of highlight from last week. I want to encourage you, if you were not here, you didn't get to hear the message, get on to the podcast and hear last week's message and then connect the dots uh, there. But James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17 says this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. And then James asked this profound question, a question that many of us have asked at one point or another. What is what is your life? What is life about? What's the purpose of, of life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then, and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your, in your arrogance. In other, in other words, he was dealing with this situation that he was facing where people were boasting that they had tomorrow under control. They actually believed that, that they had the power to control tomorrow but James is arguing and he's saying listen your life is but a vapor it's but a it's but a mist it's here one moment and gone and gone the next so what is your life he says all such boasting is evil so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him it is sin so this morning as we continue on in our series Jimmy I want to speak to you from the subject managing mist part two part two is we deal with the purpose of God in and for our lives and more importantly what we really dug into last week is how to manage our time how to manage this, this mist, this moment that God has given us. Will you pray with me just one more time this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you that it's alive and it's active. I thank you that it's powerful, that it has the ability to transform us. It's your word that sets us free. So speak to us this morning, God. We're listening. Our hearts are open. Our ears are attentive to your presence and to your word this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and the church shouted, Amen. Last week we created this idea that we've been called to manage our mist, time. We introduced a, a gentleman named by, uh, by the name of Samuel Plimsoll. He came up with the Merchant Act of 1876. In this act, he would make sure that ships that were loaded down with cargo and lots of people who uh, at this time and during that period of, of history were uh, catastrophic to, to the lives of many. In one winter, we discovered that 2,000 ships sunk and 20,000 seafarers lost their lives. And so he would create this system in which a line would be placed on the hull of a ship. And, and if it was weighed down too much, the water would rise over that line, indicating that there was too much cargo, too many people, and, and then things would have to be switched around and, and managed appropriately. These, these ship owners were doing this so that they could save time at the end of the day. And so we talked last week about how many of our lives are a lot like those ships. They're bogged down. they got a lot of stuff happening in them. They're, they're full, and many of our lines on the whole of our ship are below level, and we're dying. We're busy for the sake of busy. We're working for the sake of working. We're doing all these things, and our time is really spent doing a lot of things that at the end of the day don't really matter. Come on. Am I talking to somebody in here? I know I've been there. And so we've constantly got to be at battle with, we've got to constantly be designing our lives in such a way that we can actually manage the mist that God has given us, this little bit of, of time. And I don't know about you, but I want to manage it well. I want to manage my time, time well. I'm not talking about just having a good calendar system, right? I'm not talking about you being great at your outlook, I'm talking about managing this life well. Not just the minutes, not just the hours, not just the days, but the months and, and the years and the moments that I have that are here one moment and gone the next. I want to manage it 
Well, and so that's what James introduces us to, is this idea of managing our miss well. So we talked last week, there was four points in this series that I was going to be dealing with. We're going to cover three and four this morning. Last week's points were dealing with first the idea that our priorities have to align with God's plans. And we looked at how our life, instead of being structured in the ladder scheme, needs to actually be rewired and reworked, and our lives need to orbit in and around the one who is the center of our lives, Jesus. We talked a little bit about that. If you need help with that point, go to the podcast. When we talked about how our time is best managed when we stop living in fear and start operating in faith. And for many of us, we don't make the decisions God is calling us to make because we are afraid of them. We are fearful in life instead of faith-filled. And the best way that we can manage the mist that God has for us is to learn to be faith-filled instead of laden with fear. That we can actually tackle what God has for us because we are faithful people. And so that's what we talked about last week. This week, I want to continue on with this thought managing mist, and I want to first deal with this issue. The first, the first thing this morning that I want to look at is I want to look at this. We must learn to collaborate with the complexity of seasons. So point one and two we did last week. Point three is this. We must learn to collaborate with the complexity of seasons. Ecclesiastes chapter three verses one through eight says this. For everything there is a, a season and a time for every matter under the sun. Many of you didn't know that this was a, a, a Bible thing. You just thought it was a song. <laughs> for every season. To, no, okay, stop. There. For everything, there's a season, a time for every matter under, the, under heaven. Listen, listen to what the Bible continues to say. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to to dance, only some of us, because the rest of us don't have rhythm, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing singles here, that, that's for you, a time to seek, a time to, to lose, a time to keep, and a time to, to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to, to sow, a time to keep, uh, to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for for peace. Now, we could go through each one of those things and really dig into what they, what they mean, but I, I want to kind of zoom out a little bit here, 30,000 foot view of this thing. The New American Commentary writes this, life is composed of joy and sorrow, building and destroying, living and dying. Each comes at the proper time. Every shot, time. This reminds us that we are creatures of time and not yet able to partake of the joys of eternity. No one can be happy who has not come to grips with the reality that life is full of changes and sorrows as well as continuity and joy. We must accept that we are mortal and governed by time. The truth is, is that many of us struggle with managing our mists because we only see seasons as bad or good, right or wrong. Yet the Bible prescribes to us another way to view seasons and that is necessary. Necessary seasons. See, for many of us, we get tripped up in managing our misses because we don't see seasons as necessary. We simply see seasons as right or wrong, bad or good. And here's the problem with seeing them as right or wrong, bad or good, is that we end up missing 50% of the necessity that God has for us in order to engage this time in life that he has for us. We end up demonizing and minimalizing the seasons that God wants us to operate in and be in, involved in. See, when we minimize or demonize one season over another, we run the risk of missing out on half the life that God has for us. Think about that for a minute. 
When we try and shelter ourselves from one aspect of a season over another, we actually miss out on half of what God has actually designed for our lives. The complexity of seasons are what teach us, grow us, stretch us, mature us, and ultimately give us everything that we need to do the life that God has called us to. Maybe if you've been around church long enough, and I know that there's many that are going to come to the well this week and that have never stepped foot in, in this church. I got a call from somebody literally this morning in our office. They're like, hey, um, we're coming to your church this morning. We've never been to church in our entire lives. I was like, really? They're like, yeah. So what do we do? And I was like, nothing. Just come here, give us your kids, kind of. I was like, P.S., take them back afterwards, all right? <laughs> Come here, let us love on you. Just be a part of what's happening. They're like, we can do that. I was like, all right, we'll, we'll see you at 11 or 5. That's when, that's when they were planning on coming. So no matter where you're at in your life, no matter whether you've stepped foot in the ch- first time this morning or this is your millionth time in church, we've got to understand that seasons are important. And many times in church, we maybe... I'm, I'm going to say accidentally, propose this idea that one season is better over another. Maybe you've heard it like this before. I'm in a desert season. I'm in a wilderness season. And we speak against it, don't we? We say, man, I'm just in this dry season of my life, and and I can't feel God, and I can't hear God, and I can't experience God. I'm in this this dry season right now. And so we say, well, let me me pray for you. Let me intercede for you. Let Let me do everything I possibly can to get you out of your dry season. But what if you're in a dry season on purpose? What if there's actually a reason for the dry season? What if God doesn't want you to feel him with feeling receptors? What if God wants you to anchor in him out of discipline and going, man, I may be in a dry season where I can't feel you, but I know that I can still experience you because no matter what my season is, I believe in you. So we end up demonizing one system over another, one season over another. We can't do that. We actually got to get down with the groove of seasons. (laughs) <laughs> we'll dance with the season <laughs> be okay with the, the season last week we talked about how holiness is faithful consistency it's what it takes to operate in a life full of complex seasons maturity, wisdom, and strength are what is necessary to operate in a life full of complex seasons listen, someone needs to hear this this morning only desiring season, or favorable seasons shows a deficit and lack of growth in us when you simply desire favorable seasons. How many of you are skiers or snowboarders around here? Come on, show hands. Come on, raise them high. Don't, don't, we're not judging you. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. How many of you know that there's, there's fair weather skiers and then there's diehard skiers? There's fair weather snowboarders and then there's diehard snowboarders. You know the fair weather ones, the ones that only want to be in the mountain when the sun is out and the, and the snow is fresh and that's it. And you know it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful day. But then I've got some friends in this church that no matter what's happening on that mountain, there could be like half an inch of ice and they're still going to be on the mountain. 
No matter what's going on, in the most favorable conditions, they're on the mountain. In the most unfavorable conditions, they're on the mountain. And I think that our life and our seasons in life need to be looked at the same exact way. Whether my season is favorable or unfavorable, I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be consistent in it and know that, look, my season doesn't determine everything about my life. I just want to operate in the complexity of my seasons. If we go back to what we talked about last week, God's design for our lives is seen in his design of creation, which is governed by complex seasons. Our beautiful state sees these seasons in all their glory, doesn't it? We have summer, fall, winter, and spring, all unique and all containing their nuances. To favor one, of the o- or to favor one over the other, however, is to miss out on everything that the season has to offer and everything that it's designed to provide for us. So I've learned to love every season, trying to learn how to love every season. In in version season, I'm like, (laughs) but summer, come on, how many of you love summer? Summer's beautiful, right? For many of you, it's baseball season. That's why I don't like summer, but (laughs) it's baseball season, it's it's cookout season, it's barbecue season, the the kids are out of school, and you get you get family time and vacation time, and, and then fall comes around here. Oh, glorious fall. It's beautiful. The leaves start changing, and the, the fly fishing gets hot, and, and, uh, and the mountains become just like fire yellow and orange and red. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful season around here. It's no longer 97 degrees, right? It's a nice 75 and sunny, and at night it's sweatshirt weather and a scarf if you lean that way. And so... <laughs> Nothing against scarves. You rock your, you rock your thing. <laughs> and then there's winter. We love and hate winter. Those of us who like to play on the mountain, we, we, we love winter. And I know many, many people in here do not like it when the, stun, the sun starts shining and summer starts coming back. Spring is upon us in spring. Oh, there's nothing like spring. Fresh buds and the leaves are coming back out and everything's changing and everything's fresh and everything's beautiful. It's the complexity of seasons. We can't minimize or demonize one of those seasons over the other. Yes, you may enjoy one over the other, but come on, if you agree with me this morning, everyone is necessary. Everyone is is necessary. You do not get spring without winter. And some of us right now spiritually feel like we're in winter. And we hate it. We despise it. And we're frustrated by it. But I want to encourage you this weekend, don't be frustrated by winter. Don't be frustrated by unfavorable seasons. Don't be frustrated by the season that doesn't feel the way that we want it to. Because I want to let you know that where one season begins and ends, another one starts. There is a complexity to our seasons. And if we learn how to collaborate with those seasons, we actually can manage our mist well. We can enjoy life. Life doesn't have to be this moment where I'm constantly scared of what season I'm going into. I can actually be excited. I'm in a desert season. Woo! Learning how to see unfavorable seasons is favorable. Come on, somebody. (laughs) So we got to learn how to dial up. We learn how to dial in. 
to working with the complexity of, of seasons. So here's some things I want, I want us to know about seasons. Every season that you find yourself in, you are equipped and given power for. Did you hear that this morning? Every season that you find yourself in, you are equipped and given power for. Acts chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In other words, we've been given power for the season that we find ourselves in. So if I'm in a winter season, I've got power for it. If I'm in a spring season, I have the power for it. If I'm in a fall season, I've got the power for it. If I'm in a summer season, I have everything that I need for every moment of my life. And I can navigate these seasons and I can manage my mist well. Every season that you find yourself in, you're equipped and given power for. Second one is this, is every season has a beginning and an end. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Because at the right time, let's say that one more time, at the right time, everybody say right time. At the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Every season has a beginning and an end. At the right time, you will reap. But for many of us, we freak out if the season goes longer than two weeks. Right? We're good. I'm in, I'm in a winter season. Two weeks, Jesus, that's it. That's all you've got is two weeks. After that, we're going to have words. I'm going to pray those words, but we're going to have words. <laughs> right? Every season. Can I, can I, um, someone needs to hear this this morning. The season will end. The season that you're in, favorable or unfavorable, it's going to end. And a new one will start. And if that's the truth, if that's the reality, if God works in seasons, isn't it better to get to a place in life where I can manage every season well, faithfully consistent in it, no matter what the season is? Every season has a beginning in it. The third thing we need to understand about seasons is the season you're in does not undermine the purpose that God has for you. The season you're in doesn't undermine the purpose that God has for you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, God's got a plan for you that doesn't go away when the season doesn't look the way that you want it to. Have you ever freaked out before because you felt like God's plan was derailed because of the season that you're in? He's like, I don't know if you've got anything for me. This season is horrible. Eric and I were talking about it. New baby. Our life's just changed. We may not even really fully realize how much our life has changed. Here's the case in point. The other day, we went for our first outing with little baby L. And so we're getting everything loaded, getting the kids in the car, so on and so forth. We get everybody in the car. Everybody's dialed in. We're checking to make sure that we have all of our kids now because <laughs> we're outnumbered. It's, it's not man-on-man. It's zone now. And so, so we're in the car, and we're, like, checking all the checks and doing all the things. And, and then, then we realize Eric is like, we need a diaper bag. And I was like, yeah, what is that? The diaper bag. We fully forgot the diaper bag. 
And then I said, Jesus, how long is this season going to last? <laughs> right? <laughs> so we're looking at the season, and Erica and we were talking about, we, we were in this place where we've been praying, and Erica's like, you know what? This new season that we're in does not undermine the purpose that God still has for us. At all. We still got some stuff to do. Right? So baby L, she gets to come on the journey. She's going to hop on this rickety airplane. <laughs> She's going to fly with us. And some of us need to understand that this morning. Situations that you're facing, the season that you're in, it does not undermine your purpose. It doesn't undermine what God has for you. And then the last thing that I want you to understand about seasons is this is seasons help you understand your purpose. Seasons actually help you understand your purpose. Seasons help us understand our purpose because it causes us to walk out the journey that God has called us to be on. It's math versus science. Many, many of us believe that when we're in an unfavorable season that somehow we failed. But what if seasons is not one plus one equals two? What if seasons are about walking down a scientific path to figure out at the end of the day that that's not exactly how God has it? And it's actually walking out the path of the season that we realize more and more and learn more and more about what God is trying to do in us and through us. I read an interesting book lately. It's called Creativity, Inc. by Ed Catmull. He's the guy who came up with Pixar. Beautiful book, amazing book. If you, if you like leadership and creativity, make sure that you, uh, you hang out and, and read this book. It's a, it's a great book. And so in this journey, in this book, he talks about how he would work with his team in dealing with the issue of failure. And one of the reasons that we feel that we fail at seasons is because we believe seasons are all about one plus one equals two. And he said, I tried to remove that from our team because the only way we truly learn about ourselves and who we are is when we navigate and walk down paths. We arrive to a place where we go, oh, that didn't work out the way that we wanted it to, but what did I learn? Come on, how many perfect parents do we have in here? <laughs> There's a few of us that actually raised their hands. Awesome, okay. <laughs> I'm not a perfect parent, but I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. How? By making mistakes. I've learned a lot by walking down these paths in the seasons that we're in, and I arrived at this place where that didn't work out the best. How many of us have perfect marriages in here? No. Why? Because it's not one plus one equals two. It's science. There's hypothesis involved and all of these different complexities. Why? Because our relationships and the things that we do in life, it's all generated around seasons. And so seasons actually help us understand our purpose. They build confidence and courage by testing you in many areas personally and corporately. As a leader, as the leader of this church, I didn't know everything that I was doing when we first launched the church. So God kept us in a really nice season so that our team could learn some things. And then things grew, and things grew again, and things grew again. I don't know everything that I'm doing right now. <laughs> some of you are pumped about that. But I'm learning in the complexity of my seasons how to lead better, how to pastor better, how to do this better, how to do life, how to do life with my family in the midst of ministry, how to do the things that God has called me to do. Why? Because I'm working and learning to work with the complexity of my seasons. We must collaborate with the complexity of seasons. And the last point is this. When it comes to managing our mist, we've got to learn how to align our priorities with God's plan. It was last week. We've got to move from, from fear to faith. It was last week. We've got to learn to, to 
collaborate with the complexity of seasons. And then the last one is this. We must shift what we seek after. We must shift what we seek after. Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34 says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Come on, somebody needs to hear that this morning. (laughs) Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Notice Jesus didn't say look at your neighbors. Notice that Jesus' list for comparison was not your neighbors, was not your friend, was not that other couple, was not that person, was not that business partner. He didn't say, come on, look at the people down the street. See how they, no, no, no. He said, look at the birds of the air. I find it interesting. Why? Because he wants us to see something here. That if the birds of the air can get down with the system, we can get down with the system. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap. They They don't gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? I love that one. Jesus is rocking it right here. Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Not that person who makes more than you. The lilies of the field. Your life is to be compared to birds and lilies, church. If you ever got caught up in the issue of comparison, shift it this morning. Stop looking at everybody else around you. Sit down outside this afternoon. Look at the birds of the air and pick a lily. (laughs) This is what God is comparing you with. This is what he says to compare yourself with. I love that thought. Because we can come into church with our plastic smiles, comparing ourselves. Man, they look like they, look how that family just strolled in together. Like their children were floating. No, they were on wheelies. They were faking it, okay? Look, they're so, they, they look like they have everything together. More than likely not. Look how she, man, she just looks like she's just got, man, she's, she knows what she's doing. They know what they're doing. Man, I, don't, I just don't, I don't know if I can be around these people. Stop. Stop. Stop comparing to the world around you and the people around you and the people sitting next to you. Start comparing yourself to lilies and birds. That will help you with self-esteem. Serious. I'm like, I got that over that lily. <laughs> that one's drooping. <laughs> Consider the lilies of the field, how they, how they grow. They neither toil nor spend. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek, every shout seek. Come on, every shout seek. And they seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Then he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus launches into this very important truth. 
What you desire will define you. Desire is one of the strongest human emotions that we all experience. Desire has the power to overrule wisdom, smarts, commands, and every other feeling that we have. Desire, if we're honest, drives all of us. Right, wrong, or indifferent, desire is in the mix of every major moment and choice in our lives. Come on. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever thought back? Whether it was a good decision or a bad decision or an indifferent decision, come on, how many of you know that desire was in the mix of it? So it's right here that Jesus deals with the issue of desire in all of us by asking this question, what do you seek? A question that all of us need to to wrestle with. I want to submit today that one of the greatest reasons that we mismanage our mist is because we spend so much time seeking after things that do not matter. Jesus throws terms around like labor, toil, anxiety, food, clothes, drink, self-image. All things that revolve around what we seek after and the things that we are looking for that don't seem to align with what he has for us. Jesus suggests that the cure for anxiety, stress, toil is found in an adjustment to what we seek. The things that we need in life are found in redefining of what it is that we seek after. Most of us worry, stress, have anxiety, largely due to the things that we are seeking after and desiring in our lives. We work that extra hour to get that extra dollar, to get that bigger house or better car or newest phone so that we can earn a spot on the societal ladder or earn another like or get another follower. We push ourselves to the brink to earn the love and affection of our spouses, kids, friends, coworkers. We do everything in our power to show up to church all put together because if anyone found out what is really going on in my life, what would they think of me? Desire in the wrong direction produces worry. And this is what Jesus deals with. The 1969 classic, this is Earl Nightingale. Earl Nightingale compared worry to this, a dense fog that can cloud our vision, knock our perspective off kilter, and slow us down. According to several recent studies on worry, they've shown that over 85% of all that we worry about never happens. church this morning, we've got to shift what we seek after. Is it bad to want good things? No. Is it bad to work hard? No. Is it bad to desire a life well lived? No. But when it produces anxiety and worry and frustration, all the things that Jesus is dealing with right here, we got to learn to shift our perspective. we got to learn to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. In other words, he's saying, seek, seek me. Fall in love with me. And when we do that, we end up receiving everything that God has for us. Some of us are trying to earn what God wants to freely give. And this morning my prayer is this, is that we would learn to collaborate with the complexity of seasons and that we would learn to shift what we seek after so that our life 
our time, our mist can be managed well. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning?